Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Joseph Potter, and we are back with another episode of Draft Outlook. Joining me today is the Kerm himself, Andrew Kermish, coming in from sunny Alabama, and soon to be joining me at some point in time here, sometime this century, is going to be Chris Ransom of Draft Utopia. As today, we will be going over a another mid-round prospect. This one comes right out of Richmond. It is CAA football's Kyle Luletta right off a strong senior bowl showing, one of the top FCS quarterbacks in the nation. And this guy is a very intriguing prospect. Uh, his father, Joe, was a quarterback for Navy in the 80s. Uh, his brother, Trey, was a center at Bucknell. Uh, his grandfather played at Delaware, and his uncle played for Navy. Uh, Luletta was a two-time All-Southeastern uh, pick in high school. Uh, he has... Ideal size, ideal genetics, six foot three, two hundred fifteen pounds, and as a colonial second team all colonial athletic association selection in two thousand fifteen, he had sixty one percent completion, three hundred three thousand five hundred ninety eight yards, nineteen touchdowns, fifteen interceptions, with seven rushing touchdowns. 2016, he improved on those numbers, 63% completion percentage, 3,022 yards, 24 touchdowns, along with eight interceptions. And then, and he started all 25 games those two seasons, so he is an experienced starter as well. Um, And for his... um, For his... uh, Third season, he had a 64% completion percentage with 28 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So, uh, the one big thing, we saw a couple things uh, when watching the tape. I'm sure you saw the uh, same thing. He has pretty good mechanics, pretty good decent, uh, pretty good arm throwing motion. but he has a lot of difficult with his difficulty with his deep accuracy. He just does not look comfortable throwing to the sidelines or throwing deep at all for that matter. Yeah, so what that is you... a big issue with the tape. And one of the plays on the tape that you didn't get to see at the end of the tape session due to the technical difficulties with my computer was uh-huh. there was a Hail Mary pass. There was a Hail Mary pass. It was 13-20 James Madison and James Madison needed to throw a Hail Mary from the 50-yard line, and he only threw it to the 30-yard line for a medium pass. He got he completed the pass, but he threw a medium pass instead of a deep pass, and there's like five well, Chris, seconds left, and you got to throw it to the end zone in that well, situation. Well, Chris, they might have been trying to set up a, a, set up a, set up a, a second ladder play. There's five way. seconds and there's no timeouts. You don't have time yeah, to set up a ladder been, play with that situation. No, a hook and ladder, hook and ladder play is where he's both in medium, guy catches it, and then they ladder it. They do a lateral like the like Music City Miracle. They weren't doing that, Kerb. They were calling a Hail Mary five receiver set. He just threw it 20 yards. It wasn't the, what you were describing. So you throw it 20 it, yards and pray. That, that yeah. would be the biggest, you know. But that's 
that's something we're talking about. He doesn't have that confidence in the deep ball. He's got the arm strength for it. He doesn't have the confidence that he can throw it accurately. And yeah, he's that's throwing a 20-yard pass in a critical Hail Mary situation where you're at the 50-yard line, you're down by seven, you've got to get it in the end zone on this player, at least try to get it into the end zone. Even if it's an interception, you've got to make that effort to win the game. And he didn't make that effort. So that's a confidence issue. Nothing yeah. else I saw was was well, I only saw two two different tapes, but it was only highlights. So of course they wasn't going to show anything bad. But something I saw that that crossed, that made my eyebrows raise. It seemed on every pass, no matter if it was short, you know, one second pass or three seconds to his pass, he stared down. He stared down the receiver. And that that's was, significant that some, because yeah, that was some yeah. news I saw that immediately piqued my interest because because in the end, so if you stare down the receiver that long, you, the the secondary is going to just key on that and they'll go they'll go straight to the ball. Yeah, and that's significant for me because you can see in his pre-snaps he has control of the huddle, he has. He scans the defense. He knows where things are going. He knows where he needs to go. He has everything under control. Then, after the snap, it's like he knows these passes are covered. He knows these are tight. He knows he's got openings elsewhere, yet he throws it in there anyway. So that is a huge concern due to the overall situation because if he can do all this, have such great control over the huddle, have all this stuff pre-snap, and then just have it break down completely after the snap, it doesn't matter how great your mechanics are because it's going to be hard to get a completion. I rattled off the statistics and it's like there is a reason that Usually, the best quarterbacks in the FCS are at least second-round prospects. He's considered the best, and he is on NFL.com's draft profile page considered to be an undrafted free agent. So I have a third-round grade on him. Ryan has a sixth-round grade on him, so that tells you a lot. Even though I have a late third round grade on him, I am going to the Saints. I told people if they disagree with that assessment, the Saints in round three, go ahead, post comments below why you think we're wrong. And Ryan is a sixth round grade on him. So there's a lot of intrigue. Even though John Butts thinks he's the best QB in this draft, I, I see a lot of project in terms of this quarterback, in terms of growth, in terms of development. I see a project, but I see a project that has upside if you can develop him correctly. But there, you've yeah, got to get that confidence. That's the yeah, first thing. There, there is no Carson Wentz in this draft. There is no Joe Flacco. There is no uh, small school receiver from or small school quarterback from Delaware or. Any of those well, play, other places yeah, that are going to come North up there. Dakota State's going to have Easton Stick, who is a North Dakota – he took over for Carson Wentz at North Dakota State. He's going to be in the 2019 draft along with Gage Goodbread, who went to the same high school as Thomas Coburn, believe it or not. So both of those quarterbacks are going to be in the 2019 draft, and they're small school guys. This draft does not have that guy. I mean, Lalette is the closest thing, and even though I have a late-round three grade on him – I'm guessing Joey is a day three grade on from the tape he saw. Yeah, I've got a day three on him. I mean, there's enough to like, but at the same time, there is enough to say this guy isn't the guy. So, because he just doesn't have... And another thing you have to look at is his pocket presence. It is almost non-existent. He yeah, is, does not look confident in the pocket. That's the thing I noticed, too. Like, a lot of his completions were due to throws on the run. And that's okay if you complete the pass, but that's something coaches are going to have to fix, and it's going to be a pain in the ass for them to fix. Yeah, 
Tony yeah. Mario has him because Ryan has a sixth round grade on him. 
I had a third-round grade on him. John Butts can see why he'd be a third and why he'd be a sixth. And by third, I mean late third, like 90. I think I have him at 91 on our draft game, ahead of one spot ahead of Mason Rudolph. And at this point, you'd be less concerned with Mason Rudolph than you would be with Lauletta. Even though Lauletta was a senior bowl MVP and had a great senior bowl game, that you're you're wondering if that confidence is going to carry over after watching the tape. Yeah, and that's the thing with him is he had a good week of practice. He didn't have a great week of practice, but he had a good week of practice. He had a good game. So, I mean, he had good interviews from everything I heard. But his confidence and his arm when it comes to the deep pass are huge concerns. Um, and he doesn't get the distance on the deep throws. Um, he often overthrows on deep throws. Um, and that leaves things open for safeties. And as we know, some NFL safeties, it's like you overthrow every deep ball, then guess what? They're going to start looking back. You throw a deep ball, you know, they're going to be right there under. It's just going to be like a punt return. Um, so uh, you really – he gets those nerves. He gets the – he turns into a little bit of a scuttlebutt. So does my question, Chris, with news that Josh McDaniels turned down the Colts at the last second because the Patriots made a last-second ditch effort and made him the successor to Bill Belichick. Yeah, they made him the what, successor to Belichick. That's why he's staying in New England because yeah, they basically but, said as soon as he's... But is that going to say, look, Brady, you're 40 years old. We gotta start looking at what McDaniel's is gonna want. Would that say, okay, Loretta's got issues. We can work with this because this is a guy who could potentially fit in our system. So does that open things up with New England a little bit? Yeah, that definitely could open things up with New England. At some point, I think I gave the Patriots Mike White in my mock with one of their compensation picks. Well, I haven't started round four of my mock, but that's where I slotted White on her draft game, in that exact spot where New England's projected fourth round pick is. So I, I, I'm saying at this point I'd, I'd have Mike White going to New England. And I have Briscoe going to Pittsburgh, but I don't see um, – no, not Briscoe. I had – um. I had Lauletta in New Orleans, but I don't see Lauletta in Tony Mario's seven-round mock draft at all. I don't see him. I see uh, I see Shore. I see Briscoe. I see a lot of the other QBs. I don't see Kyle Lauletta in this mock at all. I see JT Barrett to the Rams as a backup to Goff, but in round six. But I don't see um, I don't see I I don't see Lauletta, the Senior Bowl MVP. I don't see him at all in this mock. So I'm guessing that means Tony is an undrafted grade on him. I guess. Yeah, he's going to yep. have to throw well at the combine. It's a, even if he doesn't get a combine invite, he's going to have to say, I want to be a thrower. So, he he's going to have to throw well. He does, he does have a combine invite, though. Okay, okay. So he's big thing. He's going to have to throw well. Uh, they're going to get him on those deep outs. They're going to get him on those deep passes. They're going to get him thrown to the sideline. And he's just going to have to do it well because he is failing miserably at the moment with his deep passes. And if you want a team like New Orleans or New England or someone like that to look at you, you're going to have to prove that you need, that you deserve to be looked at because those teams are very touchy when it comes to choosing their quarterback. Okay, Tony Mario gave Kyle Lauletta to Cincinnati in round seven, two picks before Mr. Irrelevant. And that would be a good position for him because we don't know about Andy Dalton long term. 
Uh, we know he's approaching 30. Uh, we don't and know about A.J. McCarron long-term because uh, they don't even know if he's going to be a restricted or unrestricted free agent at this point. But no, we know they, at this point. How they count his rookie season would fit on his, say, free agent status. Yeah, and for some reason they aren't going to know that for another week or two. I don't know why. I don't know how yeah. they can mess that up, but they're because they found a way. Season, well, cause it's really yeah, season, Tony moved was, Mike White down to the Chargers in five, which is another good fit. Well, Chris, what was that, Kerm? With AJ McCarron, yeah. his rookie year, he was on IR the whole, pretty much the entire year. Yeah, but that should, and I mean, even if he was on IR, he was on uh, the roster. Yeah, he was on the roster. They didn't take him off the roster. I mean, they didn't, you know, they could have put him on IR and designated him to practice squad or something like that, but they kept him on the roster. And as long as he's on the roster, yeah. that counts as a rookie season. He did, and I believe he did play in the preseason games, did he not? I believe so. Yeah, and only that one quarterback they, got drafted behind Kyle Allen. Unless and that was, they put him say, on the they, on the non football injury list, which, which I'm looking now to see if they did. Yeah, so That's, he should be they, an they unrestricted on, then. On the non football injury list. Well, yeah, well, Tony, yeah, McCarron's an unrestricted free agent, but Lauletta is um went to round. Seven to Cincinnati. Um, the only one quarterback got drafted out of Lauletta and Tony's mock, and that was Mr. Irrelevant, Kyle Allen, who I don't even think will get drafted. Kyle Allen was a five-star recruit. He lost the starting job at Texas A&M, and he lost the starting job at Houston. And he still declared for the draft because he had nowhere else he could go to to develop for a year. So I don't even think Kyle Allen's going to get drafted if he lost the starting quarterback job at two schools after being a five-star recruit. That, that tells me a lot, Joey. Okay. Yeah, so, there's a reason they call him Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, here it is. The, in August Kerm? of 2014, Bengals placed him on the reserve non-football injury list, and then they activated him, activated him day December 9th. So he played so, the last. So he was active for the last say four four games of the season. I think to get in a cure mm-hmm. season, you have to be active for a. Like, for six games. Okay, so he may end up being a restricted free agent. Um, uh-huh. But at that's the same time, to, I don't... That's what they're yeah. trying to argue, that, that they didn't activate him quick soon enough so he would be a restricted free agent and not be unrestricted. <laughs> if he would have been active, that they... they he, was, he was healthy enough to be activated, but they... But they but they didn't activate him in time to so he could, so he could get it so he could get an occurrence season. So in other words, it may just come down to whether or not McCarran was cleared before in the weeks before he was activated. Yeah. And if that's the case, because this because now I'm gonna go out there. Cleveland is rumored to be in the market for at least two quarterbacks. And if McCarron is unrestricted and they can get him without using a draft pick, that's one draft pick that's not going to be used toward someone like Luoletta. If he is restricted, then one, you know, if they get him, then that's going to be something that ends up being you lose a draft pick that could be used on Lyletta again, lose a draft pick anyway, and you end up with one of those spots taken. Browns are looking at at least two quarterbacks. So that will affect the mid-round picks such as White and Lyletta. Um and so that's going to be an issue. Uh, another issue may be that uh, I know there are a couple quarterbacks that are 
contemplating whether they're going to return or not. Uh, Chris, I know you keep your nose pretty close to the ground on news of such. So could you give us an update on that? Well, Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady are both coming back next season. So neither one of them is retiring. Drew Brees is not retiring. So I don't think any quarterbacks, any big-name quarterbacks are going to retire this offseason. From what I've heard around the league with different teams, Josh McCown's probably the only big name that's going to retire, in my personal opinion. Carson Palmer retired, but... Outside of Carson Palmer and Josh McCown, I don't really see any other big-name quarterbacks retiring. And as we knew, the Jets already needed a quarterback because they don't want to go through and with a 38-year-old quarterback again. But and I feel like the Jets are going to get Tyrod and the Broncos are going to get Kirk Cousins, and then we're going to see Foles either traded to Arizona or Cleveland. That's, that's a possibility, though, I mean – with the situation as is, following it, especially for Cleveland, you know, everybody and their grandmother at this point knows I'm a Browns fan, you know, and they pray for me every night. Um, the and so they know I follow the Browns, and AJ McCarron was so disappointed because he really did want to go back. He wanted to go to the Browns. He wanted to play under Hugh Jackson again. And when the Browns front office basically botched that entire situation, whether it was on purpose, sabotage, or whatever, because as we talked about, that was something that ownership said, do it, and the saucy Brown drug his feet and didn't turn in his paperwork when the Bengals did turn in the paperwork, and the process... Uh, now, I know this is a little out there, especially for a prospect. You know, we're going over the different situations that could lead to a draft pick and everything. But I'm going to go real quick through the trade process for you. Um, this, and I'm going to do it in as unofficial and as, as an unofficial way as possible. You could have two teams. Yep. Yeah. Five minutes left until the trade deadline. They get on the phone with each other. They say, I will trade you. Uh, let's just go with the uh, Adrian McCarron situation just to uh, you know, make it easy on everybody. Say, I will trade you A.J. McCarron for your second second-round draft pick. Whatever that may turn out, 35, 36, whatever. Um, and Brown say, okay. So what happens is, the, what happened there was the Bengals sent their paper into the league. Now, it has to be correct, word for word. So if both teams will go through, it's like, what did you write down, word for word? That I wrote down this. The other team will go down, okay. And they will write down the same thing. Then what happened was the Bengals faxed it into the office. The Browns would have faxed, should have faxed it into the office. The Bengals were there. It took three minutes to get this trade done. The Bengals were in three minutes before the trade deadline, right after they got on the phone. Everything was written down in the Browns' office. The Browns did not fax in their information until one minute after. The deadline passed. But the thing was, that's all it takes. Oh, I'll give you this for this. Okay, I'll give you this for this. What's the language? Let's fax it in. And then it gets to leg off. The leg off says, okay, this is right word for word. This is right word for word. So everybody's in agreement. There you go. Finalized. Or if it's not word for word, they'll send the papers back and say, okay, you guys get it word for word. Send it back. We'll finalize it. And in those situations where it's not quite word for word, sometimes they'll give them a few extra minutes to say, okay, because they had the stuff into the office. You know, it was just a little bit of language differential. And, you know, and send it in. You could send this damn thing in on a cut-off piece of paper that you just 
tear a piece of paper in half, write it down, send it in. It doesn't matter as long as the language is correct and both teams have it in. It doesn't even have to be an official document. So I'll, that is the trick. And it's the same thing for the draft. Uh, with they send When they trade in the office, same thing there. When they're sending things into their draft people from their headquarters, uh, say the Browns headquarters in Berea or Cowboys headquarters in Dallas, their people will write it down word for word, what's given to them, and they will take it up to the podium. Oh, let's not share code it. They had to get it, run down several flights of stairs, hand it to the person who has to make the card real quick, you know, and then run it up the stairs. And it, it's a freaking marathon. So let's not sugarcoat that. Uh, yeah. It's a mess. But at the same time, that is what it takes to get one of these deals done. Um, so, I mean, it's not difficult if you want a player and if two teams want to get a deal done, it's not difficult to do. It is probably the easiest thing on the planet to do. So, I mean, so this situation, so how this fits in with Kyluleta, I have no idea. Uh, I'm sure there's a tie-in somewhere. But I just wanted to give people the rundown of how this works because, as I said, you know, the league year is about to start with free agency, the draft, and everything. And this is a good, useful piece of information. Uh, but the... So Luletta could find himself also in the middle of a free agent frenzy at quarterback. You know, so how that will affect his draft stock is another thing together altogether because say the Jets draft Josh Allen. And they end up then going out and also signing a free agent backup. The Jets no longer need I a backup, like and they no Allen longer need a starter. In that situation, they went out and let's say they got Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod would start for a year, and Josh Allen would develop. But if they went out and or got someone like if McCary, they, yeah, if they went out and got Taylor, they may not even draft a quarterback number six, which would mean Luletta would his draft stock could potentially rise simply because the need for a backup quarterback came along where before it was a need for a starter. Now it's a need for a backup. So, I mean, that's a situation that would have to be looked into as well. Because I suggest getting Josh Jackson at number six, but this is entirely dependent on Tyrod being released or traded. And it's entirely dependent on her cousins going to the Broncos. If those two things don't happen, I'm going to have to change a lot in my mock draft. I'm going to have to put Baker and Lamar or Baker and Allen back at five and six if those teams don't get quarterbacks through free agency. Right now, my speculation is they'll get QB through free agency. And that's but. one of the reasons I don't deal a lot with mock drafts until I know exactly what's going on because free agency wants to screw with me. You know, and it's like it, it'll also screw with these prospects. So... We have to be vigilant with this and realize draft status is static based on what happens with the uh, or not static. It's the opposite of yeah, static. If the Browns I, I, I just had a massive brain fart. Be nice. Yeah, if the Browns end up with Cousins instead of Denver, they probably go Saquon at one and Minka at four. Yeah, and so that would affect the draft stock of, you know, two two quarterbacks because is Kaiser good enough to be a developmental backup? He's 22 years old. Of course he's good enough to be a developmental backup. So that eliminates the need for a second quarterback to just keep two guys because Cousins doesn't miss games. He's pretty durable. So that brings on that situation to where that would eliminate the need for a quarterback, a second quarterback to be taken. So that would affect Luletta in that situation. Of course, I don't think unless because Cousins has said he wants to go to a place he can win quickly, yeah, I don't think the Browns 
are necessarily that team right now after the draft they may be, but right now I don't think they are. So, I mean, it could happen. That could complicate the Kirk Cousins free agency. There are rumors that the Redskins want to franchise tag him again. Yeah, and that would bring in some degree of difficulty because now here I want you guys to look at this uh, situation. The Redskins franchise, Kirk Cousins. This has been a situation that's been brought up. Everybody knows the Redskins and Kirk Cousins do not have a great relationship. They never had a great relationship. The I want you to look and think about this. You franchise him. Now Kirk Cousins can say, I'm not signing a long-term extension with you. I'm not signing a long-term extension with you. I'm not signing a long-term extension with you. And he could just literally hold up the Redskins and be like, hey, Redskins, look, now you got me and Alex Smith. What do we do now? You don't get that draft pick. Or he could not sign the franchise tag until after the draft. In which case, the Redskins wouldn't be able to recruit that draft pick. And then that would also mean, oh, this guy who, that could also mess up the market. And so now all the leverage that the Redskins would have had is gone. That puts a lot of leverage in Cousins' corner. And, well, Cousins outwardly says, you know, he's not vindictive or anything like that. You know, we all know, you know, if you get, you know, messed around and screwed up as much as the Redskins and Daniel Snyder had screwed with Cousins, he can be a little bit vindictive. You might say, oh, it's just a business decision. Yeah, it's a business decision to screw with them to get back from them screwing with you for so many years. And he still gets paid, and he could potentially still get paid by the Redskins, and the Redskins could be on the hook for... 24 million to Alex Smith and potential 30 million to Kirk Cousins if they do that. So that will, to say that that will screw with the draft, because if you get rid of Kirk Cousins for the Redskins, you're in the market for a backup quarterback because you already got Alex Smith. So now you're saying you got Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins. Not only do you not need a quarterback, you can't sign these draft picks, so you're having to trade away draft picks. You're having to release players. Yeah. Because they're taking up $50 million under the, the cap with two players. Cap range. There were two yeah. teams in the negative with salary cap range who have negative salary cap range. The Chiefs, who are going to clear that up thanks to the Alex Smith trade, and the Eagles. So the Eagles invested a lot in free agency, and if they hadn't won the Super Bowl, all that investing would have been for nothing. Yeah, they would have been NFC champs, and that's great and all, but all of that investment would have had no return, no payoff. So the Eagles won that payoff, basically, by beating the Patriots and winning the Super Bowl. Their investment paid off. Even though they're in the negative, it paid off. As far as salary cap space, it's okay to be in the negative if you win it all. That's what I'm getting at, Joey. You might have to cut some players, but it's okay to be in the negative if you win it all, because that's every team's goal. Yeah, and something else that you have to look at here is that if something does happen, the Redskins do botch this, as far as salary cap goes, that's nearly $50 million to two guys of salary cap space. That is a disaster on more levels than you can potentially think about. You know, even a team with a Hall of Fame left tackle and a Hall of Fame quarterback don't take up nearly $50 million combined. So, I mean, that's potentially disastrous for the draft for guys like Luletta that takes away a team that they could potentially be drafted by. Uh, I mean, that takes away a lot, and it causes a lot of issues. 
So now that brings me to let's face it with the Valletta, there's not as much to talk about it. There is to talk about with other players. Um, we know that he has good sides uh, and different coaches uh, want different quarterbacks. Say, for example, the Browns, you know, they all seem to love Baker Mayfield. But the thing is, Hugh Jackson wants a quarterback that's at least 6'2", 220 pounds. Mayfield doesn't fit those. He almost hits the 220, but he's almost six foot and a half. Um, then Todd Haley has spent the last seven years with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, we, we don't have to look at, you know, a lot of signs to realize Ben Roethlisberger is like six foot five, two hundred fifty pounds. I mean, he's a big man. Um, Luletta is six three, two fifteen. So, where does that? Is just as far as body and uh, prototypical ability, not the mechanics or anything, but just his body, his arm strength and such, where does that leave him, Chris? Does that leave him with any teams that could potentially draft him or not draft him? They have $31 million in cap space, and they get everyone back. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of letters to the Saints, but Let's say the Saints pass on him in round three for Mason Rudolph. The other two teams that I have taking quarterbacks in round three are Pittsburgh with Mason Rudolph and Jacksonville with Kirk Benkert. How do you feel about Laletta and Jacksonville as a backup to Bortles? I I think it would work because Bortles is only – these are teams that like bigger quarterbacks, but at the same time – Eli Manning wasn't the biggest quarterback, and Tom Coughlin loved Eli Manning, and they're of similar dimensions. You know, six three two fifteen Manning, six three six four. You know, no more than two twenty. You know, so I mean, in that situation, Jacksonville would be a pretty decent spot to develop because the Jaguars have said that. They're going forward with Blake Bortles. Um, at the same time, Oletta does have some of the same issues Bortles has when it comes to throwing deep on the sideline. Um, that is something that Bortles has to get better at. And as we saw in the the AFC Championship game, through everything, all the mistakes the Jaguars made uh, and everything else, the Jaguars still should have won that game because they had two deep passes down the sideline that if Bortles would have got that ball up and put some air under it, his receivers would have gone for touchdowns. But instead, he threw it short and they were incompletions. So, I mean, right there, that's a situation. And you see the same thing with Loretta. I mean, he... Or instead of underthrowing like Bortles does, Loretta just tosses the thing up as hard as he can and sails it out of bounds. So, I mean, the same issue with sideline passes, but also different in that one throws short almost too conservatively and the other throws long. So, I mean... It would make sense for Jacksonville because they would be working with quarterbacks who have the same issue as far as sideline passing goes, so they wouldn't have to break them up and say, you know, they could coach the same thing with two guys at once. So that'd be time-saving. So I don't see a huge issue there. Pittsburgh, I don't think it'll happen. 
because, Minnesota, you know, look, well, I want you to look at the quarterbacks that they've had. Uh, the two success, most successful quarterbacks they've had, three if you count uh, Tommy Maddox, were all were six foot four, 230 pounds or higher or taller, were uh, Slash Stewart, Tommy Maddox, and Ben Roethlisberger. You know, those are the last three quarterbacks, all bigger quarterbacks. And I don't think that Loletta fits that mold as to what they're doing. They want the big remember. It's the same argument with the Browns. It's like same argument with the Browns. They need a big guy, big hands. I feel like Mason and the AFC North and Kyle Loletta. Joey, and you probably are on the same thinking that Mason Rudolph is a better fit for a team like Pittsburgh than someone like Lauletta. Yeah, he's a better fit, that, but even high ceiling. Yeah, yeah, it's like he's a better fit, but at the same time, I don't think he's a good fit. And something I'm noticing is a lack of AFC North type quarterbacks. There are a lack of Joe Flacco's. There are a lack of. Ben Roethlisberger's, there are a lack of these big guys who are able to take a pounding because, let's face it, for all the Browns' deficiencies, they were a pass-rushing team. They put the hurt on some people for a while there this season before they start wearing down, you know, lack of offensive productivity, kind of hurts after a while, get tired. You know, the Bengals, their defensive tackles for all their inefficiency, they put the hurt on people. You know, the Steelers, they put hurting on people. The Ravens, for their deficiencies this year, they put some hurting on people. They need that big quarterback in there to take those pound, those hits, that pounding. So as far as those Mason Rudolph, Kyle Luletta, I just don't see an ASC North team pulling the trigger. It's almost like Baker Mayfield. I love Baker Mayfield. I think he is the best quarterback in this class. I do not think he goes to an AFC North team. The situation is just not a good one for it just doesn't fit his style of play. It doesn't fit his, you know, physical makeup. And I think it's yeah. the same thing for Loletta and those guys. I mean, if the AFC North teams may as well wait until 2020 for a quarterback because my highest-rated quarterback in 2019 is Stidham, and I have him at 17 overall. That's where I have him on the current rough draft band speak board. 2020, on the other hand, is going to be a very good quarterback class for AFC North teams. Jake Fromm, Georgia, Tua Tagovailoa, the Alabama freshman that came in the national title. Chris, Tua Tagovailoa. Okay, Kerm. Tua Tagovailoa. And then you've got Jacob Eason. Tagovailoa. Don't worry, Chris. They, they had, leave leave they, it to Kerm to get a guy who no. we cannot pronounce. Um, no, the only way I know yeah. it is because it's because during A day I can't last even year, finish my argument. His name's difficult yeah, during, to pronounce. Yeah, during A day last year and during the beginning of the season, they they gave a phonetic pronunciation. They gave the phonetic spelling and and was telling everybody how to how to pronounce it on on, on radio and on and on and on a TV. That's the only way I know how. Okay, so here's how what we do. We look them up on Facebook because Facebook gives the phonetic spellings, you know, and we sit there and we push that little call button and we let it but pronounce yeah. the name for us. Um, yeah, so we Jake troll him Tom, on Facebook Tua to figure Tago out how to spell his name. Tuo Tago Valoa, and then you've got Jacob Eason out of Washington, Shea Patterson out of Michigan. He might be eligible for 2019. Shea Patterson might be eligible for 2019. He's transferring from Ole Miss to Michigan, but he might be eligible for 2019. Right now I have him in the top five of 2020, but Patterson might be eligible for 2019. And then you've got Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh and Costello. All of those QBs are in that 2020 class, so I think those QBs fit the AFC North mold better than the guys in this year's class or next year's class. Yeah, potentially, but at the same time, you know, are you going to take the chance of, you know, if you're the Browns, are you going to take the chance that Kaiser just suddenly gets, you know, takes a 
running leap like something out of you know evil Knievel's playbook? Are you going to take the chance? Ben Roethlisberger plays another two years. Uh, are you going to take a chance that Andy Dalton doesn't continue declining? Are you going to take that chance? Are you going to draft somebody now? Like that's why I've got Josh Allen right now slated as my number one quarterback to the Browns because he has a lot of potential and could potentially do something there. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it's like you said, might as well wait a year because after Josh Allen, you don't have that big quarterback. He just is just not in his class. So what do you do in that situation? So it's basically for at this point it's Josh Allen or both. Wide receiver early. If you're an offensive needy team, you're gonna to have to take a wide receiver in 2019 because 2019's got AJ Brown of Ole Miss, who Walter Cherapinski has in his top five, and it also has Anthony Littman Johnson out of Buffalo, who we both were huge fans of, and he could have been the number one receiver had he declared this year, but he returned, and if he gets his degree and he does what he did last year, I have no objection with him going number one overall, not at all. So it, it's just a weird situation as far as yeah, quarterbacks because we don't tackle have and wide receiver. And the number one quarterback is ranked 17th overall on my board. Jared Goff was ranked 12th on Dane Brugler's big board for the 2016 draft. Even though he went number one, Dane Brugler had him as the 12th best overall player. Number one ranked quarterback, but the 12th best overall player. People most scouts were not as high on Jared Goff as I was. Yeah, and at the same now we're getting to the point in the show that we've got about five minutes left. So we've gone over all these different scenarios. We've gone over the player, we've gone over the scenarios, we've gone over free agency that and how that could affect the scenarios you've gone over how to make a trade in the NFL. So, Kerm, I'm going to start with you. What is Liletta's draft outlook? Like I said earlier, fifth, anywhere from a fifth to they un, they drafted. It's going to be hard with him being a, with them coming coming from coming from the SACS. So that's why I'm going to put him. Ten funds may all the way from the fifth round to undrafted. And Chris, I would say his draft outlook anywhere from round three to round seven. I don't think he's going to go undrafted, but he's in that territory. Even yeah. Romero has him in round six. Tony Mario has him in round seven. I'm sort of curious. Because on one end of the spectrum, you can argue based off the senior bowl week alone, he's a late third rounder. But if you look at the tape, if you look at what he did versus James Madison, you can argue he's a sixth or seventh rounder. So yeah, there's definitely going to be multiple ends of the spectrum and a lot of debate when it comes to Kyle Lauletta on draft night. Yeah, and I'm looking at Lauletta. I like his mechanics. I like what he does pre-snap. I do not like what he does after the snap. I don't like his pocket presence uh, or lack thereof. But at the same token, I think in a way it is a very unlucky year for Loretta because it it isn't even because Loretta is his deficiencies, but the type of quarterback you're looking for. Uh, this seems to be a year where you're looking for a guy who's at least six foot four, two hundred twenty-five, two hundred thirty pounds. The teams that need a quarterback, whether it be for a backup or a starter, are teams that play in a rough division with a lot of pass rushers. They need bigger guys and this draft doesn't have a lot of bigger guys. So I feel that as much as Uletta has issues. Uh, as a player, I think those can be addressed 
whereas the bigger issue is the league as it goes and how free agency is going to work itself out because these situations are almost as troubling this year for a mid-round quarterback such as Oletta as it is with his own physical game, and these are things he can't control. So that said, I am thinking that he will probably go in round probably four through seven. He's probably a day three prospect. And I don't think he will go undrafted because there's too much there to like. But at the same time, you're looking at the way talent aside, looking at the way the league is drafting this year, looking at the needs, looking at the teams that have the needs. How many teams are there? Saints, the Falcons, uh, those two could have backup roles ready, uh, the Patriots. Uh, how many other teams that need a backup quarterback or a starter don't need a big backup or starter? And there aren't that many of them out there. So that is that leads me to believe that there is going to be some issue with a player like Luletta that say he doesn't quite fit our system and he's got all these deficiencies. So I'm yeah. gonna, his yeah. outlook is a four through seven round outlook. He's got some things to like. He's got some things you don't like. But in the end, I believe that just as much as the things you like or don't like, his size and overall um, physical deficiencies are going to be what dooms him to day three rather than the overall spectrum of his game. Yeah, I thought New England only had four big free agents, but I thought the Patriots only had three big free agents. They have four. Nate Soldier, Malcolm Butler, Deion Lewis, and the wild card, who really did well this year, Danny Amendola. Amendola is an unrestricted free agent, and New England will not have the cap space to bring him back, but they will have Cook, Edelman, and Hogan back. But Amendola will be a free agent, so that's another thing to keep an eye on because the Browns could make a play for a veteran like Amendola and be a good fit. Yeah, so, I mean, that could definitely affect the way the draft is. So, in that token, this has been draft outlook quarterback Kyle Uletta out of Richmond College. And I am your host, Joseph Potter, for Chris Ransom and Andrew Kermish. Please join us this Friday as we go back in through the archives, which are extremely small, by the way, because this is only like the third show. And we go over a couple of these prospects before going straight into the prospect for the Miami University of Miami defensive tackle, R.J. McIntosh. And we're going to go over these, get right into McIntosh on Friday, 12.01 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be there. Chris will be there. Ryan Romero will be there. Hopefully, Kerm, hopefully we can get you in there because we know you love the U. And so for myself, Kerm, and Chris, this has been an another episode of Draft Outlook. So please, for the day, have fun and take care. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.